You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. I'll just be talking to a normal thing and Samantha's constantly like, stop mumbling. I can't hear you. <laughs> That's, oh my God. David always said, oh he's like, you're mumbling. I'm like, no, I'm just talking in my normal I'm voice. I'm just talking like regular and <laughs> stop, stop mumbling. I can't hear what you're saying. So that's the downfall of having a lower voice, but whatever. It so is what it is, right? going for me. <laughs> so welcome to your queer story. You know, you only got a minute of intro there. You're That's used right. to about 10. Sorry, but we're guys. trying to switch it up. We're trying to update a little bit. We're trying to be more professional. I guess also, that's what you want to call it. We're still going to talk about whatever the fuck we want to talk. It's going to happen at 15 minutes. It's going to happen at 20 minutes. It's going to happen at 22 minutes. It's going to happen again at 27 <laughs> minutes. Get ready for it. It's not going anywhere. We just want people to know what they're listening to. We've got new followers, new listeners, new patrons. Yes. And we want people to know that they hit the right spot. Yes. Uh, I always like to know that I hit the right spot. Mm. And if you don't, then you're doing it wrong. That's right. That's absolutely right. So before we get too far into the episode, um, I did want to shout out a few of our recent patrons um so we'll just start at the top all right we got chad richards chloe courtney klein deanna plebuck deanna plebuck my sister i know she's your sister i've never known how wow, to say that i'm name. so you've just you've crushed <laughs> deanna you've broken her heart i'm sorry d <laughs> she knows i can't read it's fine <laughs> jen Catherine. Rose. Are you just ignoring the last names you can't say or no, they don't they have don't a last, have last name? name? Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jem Schlugenbarger is very upset right now. <laughs> Catherine Rowling, Kim Osteen, my mother. Lance, Lauren Simra. Also, if I fuck up your last name too, I'm very sorry. So sorry. Uh, Maeve Voss, Matthew Espinosa, Otsukare Sope, Ruby Robinson, Secret Kiddies. And Tiffany Picula. If we mess up your name and you have been generous enough to donate to um, the, your queer story, please send us a little soundbite on like Facebook Messenger or anywhere so we can say your name right because we really do want to say your names right. We're just really horrible. And we do really appreciate what you've done and helping to support the podcast and, of course, helping to support the queer mentorship program. Um, we're still talking to people every day. I want to make sure that people that are listening and you're like, I could really benefit from that that kind of a program, please reach out to us. We it's, have put a few people in contact with mm-hmm. um, sponsors. With so, mentors. Mentors, yes, with yep. mentors. So, um, yeah, if you're like, even if you don't think you really need help, but you just want somebody to talk to, or yeah. you kind of think it'd be nice, like, hey, I don't know anybody, I'm all alone, and I'm in a kind of scary situation, like I don't need to be uh, helped, but... I just feel alone. We yeah. can still put you in, t- in touch with somebody. Yeah. Even the, if you just want to talk to us. 
the mentors provide a wide variety of support. It could just be talking to you because, like Paul said, you're in a scary situation. You know you can't leave right now, and you just need to know that you're not alone. And then, of course, the biggest thing is getting transitional help of getting you out of an unhealthy situation, helping you get established um, with a job or in a school, college, helping you find housing, safe housing, helping you know what's around you as far as your LGBTQ resources or just your general resources. How are you know applying for food stamps, uh, applying for um, federal and state um, state benefits and grants, all kinds of things that help a person. And as LGBTQ people, when you're young and you're already part of a marginalized group of people, and if you add the fact that you're perhaps a person of color or you're from a religious background that is not as accepted as Christianity, you could be struggling even more. And we want to help you with that. So there could be a, a myriad of reasons why you need help. And even if you don't meet the 18 to 25, we still could um, lend a, a lot of other means of support. We could still put you in touch with people. It is for young people specifically, but um, there's a lot of ways that we can help. So if you're listening or if you know someone who needs help, please put them in contact with us. And um, and if you can help support um, through our Patreon, we really appreciate it. Like I said, we don't make a dime off of this. It either goes to the podcast or it goes to the mentorship to help the mentors um, with emergency funds. Yep. And uh, while we're at it, don't forget to subscribe and review. We've gotten a few very nice um, reviews lately. And uh, for all the work we put in when we read those, it does, you know, lift our spirits a little bit. It's nice to see that people are appreciating what we do. And of course, when you subscribe, you will get the latest episode right when it drops. You don't have to search for it anymore. That's right. That's right. So subscribe, review, it helps us out. And one last thing, our little tick list before we go into um, what we did this week. Um, this past Monday, so this dropped right after um, MLK Day, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. If you had the day off work, congratulations. If you didn't, I'm sorry. If you did not, I had the day off work. I have every day off work right now. You have now. every day off work. <laughs> My job should just going a little better. It's, it's going a little better. Well, yeah, it's easier now that the holidays are over. Yes, actually, I can actually talk to people. They respond, you know. Um, but um, we did want to say thank you to Dr. King. And we want to revert back. If you haven't listened to the episodes on Bayard Rustin, was it just one episode? I think it was one episode. I'm by Rustin. We'd really encourage you to go back. This was early in our recording. It's still a great episode. The sound quality is not great, but the episode is great. And um, just notice how many times we've brought up Bayard Rustin in episodes. We brought mm-hmm. him up during the Lavender Scare. We brought him up during multiple episodes. I think at least like five episodes we've mentioned yeah. him. So he was uh, very impactful. Very influential person. He is the organizer of the 1963 March on Washington. He was a mentor to Dr. King. And we talk about Dr. King. We talk about the civil rights movement in there. But we want to say thank you because uh, Dr. King's courage and leadership is what would spark the civil rights movement that affected not only black Americans, but countless others. Of course, many other people are a part of the civil rights movement, but as, a, as he's one of the most prominent figures um, the movement created by Dr. King, Bayard Rustin, and countless other people directly inspired the gay rights movement, the women's liberation, the Migrants Farmers Union, transgender advocacy, and so many more. When we remember Dr. King, we remember the many, many activists and rebels who have fought for true equality. So for me, that's what MLK Day is about. It's about remembering this great man. It's also about remembering all the people that have fought and sacrificed to make America what it's supposed to be. And if you've never checked out the 1619 Project, there's a a small podcast on it, and there is a a lot of information. It's basically a bunch of um, 
of black journalists that got together and talked about how America's democracy really started when the slaves came in 1619. It's an amazing project. I really suggest you go check that out as well. Um, so that's my little that's my little pitch. All right. So, um, but before we get into things, <laughs> you thought you were coming to listen to a lesbian love story. You're wrong. Not yet. Um, I don't want to do long, but I did want to mention how um, we were supposed to have Chastin Buttigieg here. Oh yes, yes. this is a very important this is some Rhode Island drama for you. If we had our Real Housewives of Rhode Island, oh, this would be all over the episode. Oh yeah, Joe would be screaming, walking through. <laughs> oh, no, he did not cancel. This is bullshit. <laughs> so we were supposed to have. So we have a bar in Providence called the Dark Lady, which was the first bar that Paul and I went to when we came out to the East Coast. Yep, actually it was. Yep, uh, it's the first real gay bar Paul said he's ever been to. I think I said that, but I was remembering the other day because I was writing this episode. The first real gay bar that I went to was actually called Berlin. It was in Chicago. And it was oh. it was it was a great bar. Although, I was like I was gonna say, do not tell the story about the gay bar that closed on you. Again. No, I'm not gonna <laughs> tell that story again. No, I meant like the first like like gay gay bar that I yeah, went yeah. to that and it was called Berlin. It was it was really fun, but none of the girls wanted to dance with me because they were all fucking straight. Um, anyways, <laughs> I'm fine. I'm not straight better. women at a gay bar. Never. Yeah, never. Um, so what was I gonna say? Yeah. So he's supposed to come out. And it's the night of the fucking event. Like, we're ready. It's a fundraiser for fucking Pete Buttigieg. I'm pretty positive. And uh, Chastin cancels because there's a uh, poll. He called it a dancer's poll. A dancer's poll in the middle of the bar, which... Has he ever been to a gay bar? (laughs) (laughs) This is just one of those nice little gay bars where they don't have much. They just sit there and they just stare at the wall. (laughs) Those are the kind of gay bars that I like. Mm -hmm. Like what? What are you? What are you doing? Which and everybody was like, well, first of all, they could have just like decorated the pole or covered it up, like or just not had any pictures taken around it. Yeah, like there's like so many. He's like, oh, that was like the thing. People were like, well, maybe the the media would have had a field day with it. But you're having an event in a bar, like. It, I don't know. It just really annoys me because it goes back to that I, that same the gay lib, the gay rights movement versus the queer liberation, where yep. gay rights is all about let's see how much we can conform to a heterosexual cisgender society. We don't want to disrupt anything. We just want to make sure we're exactly like you guys. We're going to have the same gender roles as you. We're going to do everything exactly like you. Um, and we're going to make sure that anybody that looks different, acts different, is different. They're isolated and they're they're not us. Yeah. We'll talk about trans rights. We'll talk about trans rights and we'll have that one trans person on our, our campaign to show that we're really diverse, but you know, make sure again, making, making sure that it really appeals to, um, Midwestern America. It it really was extremely disappointing, but at the same time, I was not surprised. I was like, this just goes back to them comparing Pete to, uh, the gay that when um, Stonewall was happening was in his mm-hmm. apartment and was happy when the police came because it was too loud outside. Right, exactly. It's exactly it's that kind of gay, yep. you know. And you know, and I, I'm I'm not saying that Pete Buttigieg needs to walk down the street in booty shorts. Like I'm not. I get that. That's not. I don't think that's his personality. 
But this entire idea of our like, you only embrace the gay parts that are working for you that Americans can like, right. and you're gonna just forget the rest of the community. But you want that money from us, right? Right? You want that money from us because this is the first gay president, right? Exactly. But he wants to only appeal to non-gay people, but he just wants you to like him because he's gay. Exactly. He'll he'll use that so that it's, well, you should vote for him because he's gay, right? We want the first gay president, but um, but but nothing to do with the queer culture, of right. course. Absolutely. So not. um. And, and just the fact everybody works so hard to get that fundraiser together and to raise money for your goddamn campaign and the audacity. Like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's really... Literally, it's, I'm so disappointed. If you listen to our Pete Buttigieg episode... <laughs> yes, which actually we probably should redo that because we didn't even know how to say his name then, let alone <laughs> we didn't have a lot of information on him. But I am... But I will say that my feeling about him was right then, right? Yeah, back then, yeah, I was yeah. like, I just don't feel like there's Something's something about him I don't like. And we talked and about it. I'm so disappointed that our first viable gay candidate is such a fucking disappointment. Like, yeah, I'll vote for the guy if he wins the the candidacy, but I'm always gonna be like, yeah, well, hmm, right, whatever. Right, absolutely. <laughs> I it's I I think. It's funny because a lot of people who supported in the community when we were kind of like, eh, yeah. Right, now they're posting all over Facebook like, wow, okay, well, clearly, yeah, fuck this guy. Well, the, and that's the thing though; it's happened again and again, right? Mm-hmm. It's like his, like they say, his wine cave, where like he's he panders to the billionaires, he panders to white billionaires, and and the, like the entire point, like if you're a gay man, it's you you hope that you understand what it's like to be marginalized. That means you understand what it's like to be poor. You understand what it's like to have nothing. You understand what it's like to not have privilege. But mm-hmm. the thing is, that goes back to the point. He doesn't know what it's like. Right. He does not know what it's like to be poor. He does not know what it's like to be underprivileged. Like, yes, he had to hide his identity, but he... <laughs> He so thrived so off of hiding of his, other people. He thrived off of hiding his right. identity. Exactly. Everything else was handed to him. And now he's at when it was safe for him. And that's a whole other argument. I don't want to get into when someone should come out or when not. But I'm just saying he doesn't understand what it's like to be underprivileged, but he wants to use the gay word like he knows what it's like to be underprivileged. Exactly. And no, Pete Buttigieg, you don't. You don't fucking know. And you prove it again and again. And fuck you, Chastin, because we all know that you've danced a hundred times on a goddamn pole. Oh so my get God. the fuck out Chastin of here with that. Definitely he has there, lit yeah. up a pole up and down, <laughs> and he's trying to pass like, no, sorry, never done it. Mm, gay bar? Okay. I've never been to one of those. <laughs> I didn't know they had dancing poles in gay bars. <laughs> we never watch Drag Race. We never go to a gay bar. Fuck off. Okay, I'm fine. I'm good. Rant I'm happy. complete. Just another day of You can always tell when something's pent up in Evan. <laughs> he just like, he's a little bit quiet, and then his face gets a little red, and then when it comes out, he's better. That's, then I'm fine. That's fine. I think I've had a lot of pent up rage over Chastin and Pete Buttigieg for a while, and I, I've been trying to be very careful in not saying things, because I, first, I don't want to disparage most of the Democratic candidates, except for Joe Biden, he can go fuck himself. But (laughs) I'm trying not to because I know I'm probably going to have to vote for that person. And I want to be happy that we have a gay man that's able to run for president. I I do. He just needs to open his fucking eyes. Yeah, he does. But probably won't. No. Anyway, so so let's let's talk about... We'll talk about another gay love story, a lesbian love story. It's been a long time since we've done that. It has been. Have we... When have we? Oh, it's been like real long, mm-hmm. too long since we've done one. It has. It's been too long. But you know what? We hope that this two-parter mm-hmm. will make up for that. Yes. So today we tell a love story that rivals the great romances of history. 
Um, should be a novel. Um, it should be multiple novels, I should say. If there is a novel. There is a book that was written. It was. It's the true story, but it's written novel style. Right. This could be turned into blockbusters. Do they still say blockbusters, even though blockbuster doesn't exist anymore? I think so. I think. Well, I think blockbuster was before blockbuster oh. video. Blockbuster <laughs> video. I think took. I don't think they created that name. I think they took that name. You never know. <laughs> it's the tale of a Jewish rebel in Nazi Berlin and the German woman who loved her. You heard that right. That's right. As we remember the Holocaust this Monday on Holocaust Remembrance Day, we also remember the countless love stories shattered by hatred, bigotry, and plain cruelty. Before we dive into the story of Lily and Felicia, we do want to note that in episode 56, The Pink Triangle, we covered the treatment of all LGBTQ Jews put into the concentration camps. We encourage you to go back and listen to that episode as well. But for now, we want to focus on a single and yet extraordinary tale of the most forbidden love. In a country deep at war and overrun by SS guards and Nazi soldiers, the city of Berlin still seemed to glisten in the dawn of 1943. Germany was winning the war by all accounts. Chancellor Adolf Hitler and his henchmen were in high spirits. For most citizens, they continued about their daily lives, most who were not Jews, that is. The few remaining Jewish citizens now remained as part of the Jewish underground. Those who were not known to authorities remained in hiding at the homes of Jew German sympathizers. Others who could pass openly as German worked to get their fellow Jews out of Nazi-controlled areas. These brave, souls had told, these brave souls had torn off their yellow stars, acquired fake documents, changed their last name, and bustled around in the open. And like, I just want to pause. We'll probably pause a couple times throughout this a lot. <laughs> Because we're talking a lot about such a sensitive topic. But um, thinking about like how you have to sacrifice so much of your identity. You already have to try to blend in with the very people that hate you. Then you have to change your last name. Like as someone who's had to change their last you, name um, a couple times. Eight times. <laughs> no. I've only changed my last name three times. But like I know what it was like to sacrifice that last name the first time when I was 10 years old. And sacrifice it again it's whenever I was 20. It's part of your identity. 20. So yeah. Um, no, obviously what I'm, I'm gonna, I'm engaged and I'm yeah. like, what about my last name? That's kind of my identity. I've kind yeah. of like branded Paul Hobbs and yeah. I know I'm going to change my last name. Um, but I just don't know to what yet, but I can feel that and being forced into that situation mm -hmm. and not having it for a joyous, you know, like mine's a happy thing. And I'm like, oh yeah, but that's still part of my identity. And then being forced to, and have to go yeah. into hiding, I can only imagine like, how that must feel exactly and having to, to deny your idea your right heritage. and you can't even ever say like oh no that's who i was you literally yeah. have to delete it's literally like throwing it all in the trash it's gone and you and you have to assume the name of your very oppressors like you right. have to take their their mm -hmm. last name and uh, even samantha hasn't changed her last name like she talks about it and I, I, that's totally her decision but she talks struggles with the same thing having to sacrifice her identity you know, like that is who she is. And mm -hmm. I tell her all the time, you don't have to change your last name, but she has other reasons why she wants to do it, you know. But yeah, so like they're just forced to get a, uh, up so much. So yeah, when we say the Jewish underground, we're not meaning that people were literally underground, although some were. Mm -hmm. Like it was a mixture, like some like Anne Frank were had to be in constant hiding and others who were able to get some forged documents were able to mingle in with the crowds. Yep. So um, them living this way was a unique prison in which they all lived. Leaving the country was incredibly risky and dangerous, and those most at risk of detection always went first, followed by children, then mothers, and finally any men left who could get away. 
and left behind in the chaos were the courageous people who stayed and ran the underground operations. They lived on the streets and scourged for food, money, documents, information, and more. Few of them had legitimate income, as most had lost their jobs when laws had forbidden Jews from working. Their lot was a mixture of Jews, German supporters, and many unwitting accomplices. And one such accomplice was a woman named Lily Wust. Born on November 1st, 1913, Lily Wust grew up in a traditional German home. She wasn't quite five years old when Germany and the other central powers conceded to ally victory in World War I. As Lily grew up, so did her nation, rebuilding and reseeking the prominence it had lost during the Great War. When Lily turned 20, Germany got a new chancellor, a former soldier and new party leader named Adolf Hitler. It was around this time that Lily married a banking accountant and settled down to become the mother of four rambunctious boys. Upon the birth of her fourth son, she was awarded Germany's bronze Mother Cross. It was the highest honor bestowed upon a mother and given to those who bore male children for Hitler and the Aryan race. Interesting. It's odd. Yeah. So just like most of her fellow German citizens at the time, Lily was an anti-Semite and a Hitler supporter. How much she truly dwelt on the suffering of the Jewish people and others' deviance of the nation's we do not know. For most people, they simply looked the other way and assumed the government must be just in its must be just in its persecution of the Jews. She made jokes and hateful remarks and went about her days as if millions of people weren't being carted off to concentration camps. As a whole, most Germans were not deeply touched by the war in the beginning. Aside from the young men sent off to fight, daily life for Aryan citizens continued as usual. But things would begin to change when Lily was sent a new housemaid. So, I mean, there's a lot of conflicting. So, first of all, there was only about a half a million Jews actually in Germany. Not to say only about, but there was half a million. We, when we read about the concentration camps, we know that at least six million people were killed. Um, and so, the, and they were collected around Europe. Mm-hmm. But still, that's a good chunk of people, and especially in Berlin, that had a high Jewish population. And we, I mean, we see that today in America, right? Like when people go on about their days, like, oh, sure, kids are in detention camps or in concentration camps mm-hmm. down on the border, but you know, what am I, the government must do what they're doing. It's that same thing. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's easy, cause you and I had a little argument about this. It's easy to write them off and say, wow, you're all just hateful bigots. And they are bigots, not gonna, not gonna lie about that. But part of it is is the propaganda, which made the Jewish the German people think that what was happening to the Jews wasn't as bad as it actually was. Mm-hmm. And part of it is being taught to hate or look down on another group of people. Even if you wouldn't call it hate, you still think, well, but I'm, you know, but it's the Jews, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, I mean, of course the, the children shouldn't be in the detainment camps, but they also shouldn't have crossed the border illegally, you know? These parents fleeing, well, I mean... <laughs> We have, we have our chain of command. We have our rules, right? And that was the same thing in, in Germany, right? We have our laws. It's not our fault that the, the Jews broke the laws by existing. Yeah, fuck those people. <laughs> so, but he does what I mean, though. That's my point is like, what do you, do you just spend time hating everyone who lives in ignorance or do you try to educate them out of ignorance? Both. Okay. So how do you do that when you already so deeply resent them? You, I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, Tell them well, how dumb they are. <laughs> okay. Well, I think for me, Lily was story reminds me a lot of my own. It's a story of a person who was hateful and angry and abusive and um, who was a hateful person and who had her eyes open and she made a decision to change. It's a story of redemption in my mind. You're being very quiet. 
I'm I'm listening. You're talking. Okay. Well, normally you're I'm, you're talking over me. Never, never have I ever. <laughs> Comment below if I've ever con- talked over Evan. <laughs> I, they're probably like Evan always talks over you. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> As a reward for her, her Mother Cross medal, Lily was granted a government staff member to aid in cleaning and taking care of the prized male children. Lily had no idea that her new housekeeper Ula was an anti-Hitler and German supporter in the Jewish underground. In, also, Ula, that's a great name. It is, right? Ula. I, I'm into that. She's a very a very strong name. I saw an interview with her. And she seems like a very strong person, mm-hmm. obviously. I mean, she's like, she's a German sympathizer for the Jews. It's amazing. In fact, Ula's family was currently harboring a Jewish citizen in their own home. And Ula was certainly uncomfortable working for a woman who proudly displayed a picture of Hitler in her home. And she talks. Imagine that. <laughs> she talks about how, like, she walked up the stairs and she saw this big picture of Hitler, and she's like, "Oh." She's like, "Motherfucker!" <laughs> That'd be like being like one of us being sent to work for somebody who has like giant pictures of Trump mm-hmm. around. Them. I mean, obviously Hitler was worse. Yeah, but like, holy shit. Yeah, I I saw this. There was this Twitter thread of like your worst um, interviews ever, and this girl talks about how she um, went to, to an interview and she walked in. And she saw a picture of Margaret Thatcher, which any mm-hmm. good liberal in England knows that Margaret Thatcher is a bitch or was a bitch. And so she sees a picture of Margaret Thatcher. She sits, she takes a picture and she tweets it out. She's like, should you continue your interview if, <laughs> if there's a picture of Margaret Thatcher there? But she goes back for a second interview and they call her in and she's like, everything goes good. And at the end of the interview, they're like, so can you explain this? And they take a printed picture of her tweet. <laughs> <laughs> and they set it down. They're like, can you explain this to us? And she said, so then it just seemed a bit too frosty to continue going on with everything. <laughs> Damn. <Right>. Imagine that. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So, um, and Ula was, okay. Um, unfortunately, Ula did not have much of a choice as she worked for the German government and couldn't afford to arouse suspicion. She already had encountered one scare from Lily Wust. The story goes that one day Lily approached Ula and out of the blue said, I smell a Jew. The comment terrified Ula because even though she was a full Aryan citizen, she spent all of her time around the underground Jews. When she returned home that evening, Ula told her roommate Felicia about the comment, to which Felicia boldly responded, well, let's test her nose out. So what? Did she like... Was there a certain food that like Jewish people would cook that maybe she smelled on her? She never elaborated. She, the woman, like Lily just went up and said, I smell a Jew. Maybe she was just crazy. She might have been a little crazy. Just like randomly, like, like, I think, like paranoid. (laughs) Probably, like you're constantly trying to prove your patriotism. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you'd say ridiculous things to other people. But we, again, we hear that today, right? Like, oh, that smells like a Mexican or that smells like a Muslim or something like that. Mm -hmm. It goes, yeah, it goes back to that othering where, you know those people they're dirty and they're they're lower than us and they're disgusting and they have uh, they're unhygienic and blah 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 right it goes yeah, back that to othering. that othering yeah you're right yeah hey questions paul here with an incredible offer just for you wet lube is offering you 15 percent off of your purchase at amazon.com slash wet all you have to do is enter the promo code 15 queer wet on the checkout page again that's 15 queer wet on amazon.com slash wet. So what would prompt a Jew hiding in Nazi Germany to make such a daring move? Well, for, the, for that answer, we have to understand the brilliant and courageous woman that was Felicia Schragenheim. Schragenheim. I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> 
because most of the Jewish records and documents in Germany were destroyed during World War II, we don't have an exact date of birth for Felicia. Felicia. However, the Holocaust Remembrance Center in Israel Yad, Va- Bas- Bas- Yad, Vashem. Yad Vashem works to memorialize the lives of those lost during the Nazis' reign. They speculate that Felicia was born on March 9, 1922. She was nearly nine years younger than Lily, but she had lived a lot more life in her 20 years before they met. Born to two Jewish dentists in Berlin, Felicia grew up like most other German children. She had one sister a few years older than her. Both girls lost their mother in a tragic car accident when Felicia was just eight years old. Her father later remarried and the family found happiness again for a short time. Things began to drastically change for the Schragenheims in 1933 with the rise of the Nazi party. At first, it was the removal of all Jews for civil service in April of that same year. Pressure and bullying against Jewish citizens and particularly against Jewish business owners mounted. Historians have noted that ebbs and flow of the Nazis' anti-Semitic harassment during this time period. Initially, the German government felt backlash over their open propaganda and appeared to ease on their aggressive treatment of the Jews. In truth, history would prove that the Nazi leaders were planning a more calculating route. They had gone into their attack of the 500,000 Jewish citizens too harshly. They first needed to plant the seeds of hatred, bigotry, and distrust. So they would constantly do this. Like they would go really hard and people would be like, all right, now that's a little too much. Mm -hmm. You're being a little ridiculous. And they would would pull back, but it was all for propaganda. It was never about, oh, we actually think that what we're doing is wrong, right? Mm -hmm. And again, we see that in the American government. We see that in governments all around the world, but in the American government right now, Mm -hmm. right? They push too hard and people give a little bit of pushback and like, all right, sure, we'll ease up. And then right, and then they're like, "Oh, sorry about that." And then they just do it again, but nobody's any more mad at them than they were the first time. Exactly, like, "All right, we told you." And then people get used to it, right? right? And now we're completely fine with children lying on cement floors covered with aluminum blankets, and literally piled up next to each other with no food or water. Exactly, right? And people are like, "Shouldn't cross the border illegally." Mm Fucking idiots. All right. When the Nuremberg Laws were presented in 1935, they found a much better reception from the Aryan population. The laws were as such. Issued on the 15th of September 1935 during the annual cons- Congress of the NASDAP in Nuremberg, the Nuremberg Laws became the legal basis for the expulsion of Jews from public life in Germany. The law on Reich citizenship stipulated that only Aryan Germans or people of kindred blood could be Reich citizens, while Jews became second-rate state subjects. The law of the protection of German blood and German honor banned marriage and extramarital relations between Jews and Germans. The employment of German servants aged 45 and under in Jewish households and the display of German flags by Jews, the third law prevented Jews from displaying the right colors, their flags. Very interesting law. Yeah, Covers very, a lot of different things. Yeah, it's like a very broad law. Mm-hmm. To, again, and they, they did a lot of these very broad laws so that they could... You uh, pick and choose. You could kind of, you know, whatever, go however as hard you as you needed. wanted. Exactly. It was like however however you needed to strip the rights away from people, you had like, a, you literally had, as we'll see, 400 laws that you could use. Yeah. And they were all pretty broad in their terminology. And you, exactly. You could, it's kind of like that horoscope thing where they're mm-hmm. like, you'll have a good day today. <laughs> and you're like, wow, great. And it just applies to anybody. Exactly. So it's like, kind of how the law is formatted. Like, well, you could technically fall under this fourth paragraph here. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, exactly. The Nuremberg Laws were only the tip of the iceberg. 
Other local and national regulations were put in place to make public life almost impossible for the Jewish citizens. Actors could no longer perform or even have their faces shown on television. Doctors, lawyers, and educators had their licenses revoked. Laws went into place that made the Jewish ritualization of animal slaughter, kosher practices, illegal. The state literally took away the Jews' right to eat according to their religions, diet to their religious dietary restrictions. Between 1937 and 1938, things only worsened as anti-Semitism reached a fever pitch in Germany. Jews were forced to register as Jews, register all their property to the state, and forbidden from earning an income. If their given name wasn't Jewish enough, they had to add the name Israel or Sarah to their legal documents. Over 400 measures would be put in place to restrict the rights of the Jews during the six years between 1933 and 1939. So that would be literally like if Trump was like, well, your name isn't Spanish enough, so you're going to have to add Carlos or yeah, uh, and Maria Maria to your name. That's, that's exactly what it is. Like, we have to be able to look at you. If we can't spot who you are from looking at you, and that, again, goes back to, like, I can spot you, I can smell you, mm-hmm. right? That goes back into thinking that you're so different and you're so better than this inferior race that you could just spot who they are by looking. Right. And that was why Felicia was like, all right, she thinks she can smell a Jew. Let's find out. Mm-hmm. Because, she, again, she's proving, like, you don't, you're not as smart right. as you. Like, it, you're I'm not, not different from you. I'm not, exactly. I'm not different from you. There's nothing different about me that sets me apart from you. Exactly. You think you're better than me, and that's why you... Uh, allow yourself to look the other way at all the pain but you're not and Mm -hmm. if we were sitting next to each other you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the two of us um but yeah but that's and we also note that there's six years and look at how much trump has been able to completely damage um in like three and a half in three and a half years he's damaged to lgbtq policies he's just stripped them away funding research laws that are in place what he's done for muslim protection of muslims and xenophobia phobia what he's of course done to mexican Mm -hmm. and um you know uh spanish individuals like it is incredible in what he's done in three and a half years. So this is over six years. Right. Six years. Things can keep getting worse, people. Exactly. It will keep getting worse. We mm-hmm. know it will keep getting worse. There's no way it's going to get better if Trump wins again. No, absolutely no way. not. We're, we're going to have to like, we're going to have to just start burning the concentration camps. Like it's time to riot. That's right. I mean, if he gets elected again, yeah, you're right. We're going to have to riot. Like no more marches. <laughs> we're going to have to riot. Can't, we can't leave those children down there. Victory. <laughs> He finally convinced me to riot. (laughs) Well, you and Trump. And as if they hadn't been stripped of their rights enough, another blow came in late 1938 following the torment of Kristallnacht, the night of broken glass, which we covered in our Pink Triangle episode. Really, you should go listen to that, too, if... Uh, it just we covered so much about the the Jewish Holocaust. And if you're um, looking at the script online, there will be multiple links to that episode. Yeah. So you can just click and go right there. You don't have to search for it or anything. Exactly. After this horrific night, schools banned Jewish children from attending. And one of those children, the top of her class, in fact, was Felice Strongenheim. The young girl was denied the academic certificate she had earned. She was denied the praise and future she deserved for her brilliancy. At age 16, Felice was facing the world alone. She had watched the Nazi party destroy her once happy family. Her father collapsed from stress and abuse in 1935 following the Nuremberg Laws. He died later that year. Her mother had long passed and her stepmother seems to have disappeared. Felice's sister Irene had fled to England and began and begged Felice to come with her, but the young woman would not leave her country behind. Her final family member was taken when Felice watched her grandmother put on a train in 1942 and deported to the death camps. 
In defiance, Felicia ripped the Golden Star of David from her chest. She changed her last name to Schroeder and went underground as a resistance fighter. Because of Felicia's features, she could pass as an Aryan woman. And the fact that she was quite stunning certainly didn't hurt her ability to move around freely. Which Paul disagrees, but I think she is very pretty. Well, again, I've only ever been attracted to one woman. <laughs> That's right. We can't, they can't all be Josephine Baker. That's true. She was able to get a job undercover at a national socialist newspaper in Berlin. Renting her own place was too risky for any Jew, so she stayed with German sympathizers. When she wasn't at work for the newspaper, Felicia attended other aided other Jews in getting out of Germany. She and a few other passing Jews would go to the crowded beaches on weekends. There, they stole identification cards, ration tickets, cash, and whatever else they could get a hold of from the unsuspecting suntanners. The resistance fighters would then pass out the goods to other Jews in the underground. That is brilliant. Because, right? you know, if you're laying there with your eyes closed, taken mm -hmm. in the sun. Yeah. Just like, oh, it's so great to be German. I don't know what I just did. I think I did an Irish accent there. I don't know what that was. <laughs> Fuck off. It <laughs> almost sounded like Minnesota a little bit, too. <laughs> it, it, was, it was a mix of Irish and Minnesota. It was. So <laughs> that's what the Germans sound like for sure. <laughs> Anyways, they're just laying there like, oh, I'm a, I'm an Aryan and I can do whatever I want. And Felicia's just taking all the shit out of their bag. He's <laughs> like, oh, wow. fuck you. You're very pretty. I hope you're enjoying your sunbathing, ma'am. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to have a good day. Bye. Excuse me. Oops. Oh, it's great to be Aryan, isn't it? Oh, my God. <laughs> Hashtag Aryan. <laughs> Thanks for the ration tickets. <laughs> she was bold. She was fierce. She was beautiful. And Felicia Strogenheim thrived on adrenaline. So it is no wonder that she convinced Ulla to set up a lunch date with Lily Wust. Felicia wanted to know if Lily could really smell a Jew. And it is no wonder that Lily Wust was instantly smitten by the dark-haired and mysterious woman who sat across from her. Felicia was right, by the way. Lily didn't have a clue that she was enjoying lunch with a Jew. That she was, in fact, falling head over heels for an underground resistance fighter. When their meal ended for some reason, Felicia gave Lily an apple. Years later, Lily would laugh and say that it ironically mimicked the biblical story of Adam and Eve when Eve gave Adam an apple and brought about his downfall. After she left, Lily Wuss couldn't get her mind off of Felicia Schragenheim. Which an apple, that's like, imagine you're like, um, I had a great time. Here's this apple. <laughs> you don't have much to give I, back I then. I randomly had it in my bag and randomly brought it to a lunch date just in case the food wasn't that good. Stole it from the bags on the beaches. So I just wanted I to make sure that like, you know, um, if there were any Jews here, I had an apple to keep them away or something. Right, exactly. I, an apple a day keeps a Jew away. <laughs> here. Um... <laughs> So, I mean, it's a, uh, we're going to talk a lot more, uh, get into in the next episode about. That's right. You were just at the edge oh, of your seat. Oh, you were seats. like, oh, they finally met. And wh why would Felicia even be interested in Lily? She's a Nazi. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what love can do because nothing breaks down walls like love. Especially lesbian love. Because lesbianas. <laughs> <laughs> which there is a very cute I sh shared it on our Twitter there's a little there, this uh, German I'm pretty I might be German fuck if I know it might be Swedish <laughs> I'm so sorry I have no idea there's a coffee company that made this ad and it's very cute it's of these two they're girls they're actually Russian they're <laughs> probably right there's these two girls I don't know it's it's a really cute uh, ad about a teenage girl who's got she's got a a little lover and her dad finds out and they go on a, he gives them coffee you gotta watch 
watch the video it's to the understand. the same thing as giving lover an apple. So it's, the dad it's just the gives him coffee same exact instead. thing. Um, if you want to check out more information, you can. You can check out um, the... Uh, a Love Story, Berlin, 1942. It's a YouTube documentary, but it really suggests you just come back and listen to us Yeah, next don't week. get too far ahead. You're, you're just, you exactly. can tweet, tweet us what you think is going to happen next. Yeah, tweet us. And, um, and, and if you do really want a good love story, then check out Disobedience because that is my fate. One of my favorite movies. Um, I wish that they had had les- actual lesbian actors play it. But other than that, it is actual about actual queer Jewish people playing act- queer no, characters. Never. What are you? Are you? I crazy? will say Rachel McAdams is a very much a great ally, but still shouldn't have taken that role. But she's fantastic in the movie. It's so hard when they're really good at the movie, right? You can really shit on someone when they suck at it, but when they're really good and you're like, oh, I hate how you're ringing me into this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was made in I think 2017. It's about two Jewish women, Hasidic Jewish women who are in love. Um, and uh, it's very good, but it's only available on Amazon now. It was on Hulu for a while, and now it's not. But yeah, check it out. Watch yourself some good lesbian love stories, and come back next week. Yeah, and join us on Patreon if you haven't already. Yes. Every dollar helps. There's like a one dollar, three dollar, nine dollar. I don't know. There's a bunch of different tiers. We're getting more active on it. Evan's got his weekly. Oh series. yeah, I've got another another uh, coffee with Evan that's posted. Um, and then we're going to be posted by the time this drops our, our video f- with Joe will be posted. It'll be posted on Patreon, but it's also going to be posted on our YouTube yep. um, of our lube tasting, which was actually really interesting. I was very shocked at how good the lube actually it was I, so good at the end. It was too much because it was almost like, yeah, it's like if you go to like Dunkin and you get like the, the sugar syrup, like, yeah. you know, the flavored syrup, it was it tasted as good as those. But like if you were just drinking that consecutively, it got too much, but they were delicious. Yeah, they were. We're really and he's, he's right because we had like I mean I don't know I had a picture it was like 12 lubes yeah and we tried most of them were like flavored lubes mm-hmm. um and we were just doing shots back I think we and tried at least seven or eight it was a lot um but there that I will not get over that warming cookie lube that was fantastic yes it was I, it was know, literally like fresh cookies out of the like, oven I would put that in my coffee I put that on a donut or I've put it on else. a couple things you put it oh okay <laughs> all right well there you go see and I told him Flavored lube is the best. Every time someone asks you, like, why not do the flavored lube? Why wouldn't you enjoy yourself when you're down there? Why not? It saved me from eating a bowl of ice cream later that night. So <laughs> that's how you say. That's how you that's count how your you calories. Get skinny. That's right. That's how you lose weight and you get to, uh, you know, uh, help your sweet tooth. So um, stay but clear. Yeah, don't get a lobotomy. We love you, our little allied hookers and a little succulent sapphist. And resist the oppressors, our proud homocrats. That's right. Have a sodomy circus and. Stay wet. I lovers. Bye. <laughs> I have to add something Awful. like I have to add something every twenty five <laughs> episodes. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at your queer story. Like what you heard? Wanna share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash your queer story. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.